I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you will help me to communicate that which I know you've desired for us to understand this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you will just anoint my words that, in such a way that, Lord, it will encourage and strengthen and build up this morning. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So, my title today is Because I Said So. Because I Said So. Yeah, because I said so. So do you know when you were growing up, anyone ever heard those words because I said so? Just raise your hand if you've heard those words. Yeah, you've heard so. Okay, when I would hear those words, it would be like this. Because I said so. It wasn't like, because I said so. It was because I said so. Okay, did you get that feeling? And when, when that was said to me, it wasn't like feelings of, wonder and joy that came it was feelings of confusion and I didn't get to negotiate I didn't get to talk back I didn't get to ask questions that was at the point of on the other side of because I said so is I will do so And so I, I just kind of was, was thinking about this and thought, these are one of the sayings that we grew up hearing and it doesn't really give us a good memory. And we in turn do it to our children. Mm-hmm. Why, why? Because I said so. That is enough reason. What do you mean? Why are you asking? Don't talk back. Don't even blink. Don't breathe heavy. Don't go under your mouth. Don't roll your eyes. Don't turn around. Don't be short in stepping. Get to doing it and do it fast. Do it now, now, now. Because by the time I say, because I said so, Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose myself. All right. That's, not, that's the time. And, and so, but but, but I, I have a question for you. Supposing instead it was actually said like this. Because I said so. Because it's me. It's me saying it. Because I am saying it. Supposing it was said like that, it would give a whole different context to the phrase. And we wouldn't be as intimidated or terrified or shaking in our boots, right? And, and I find in my own Christian walk, whenever God has said something to me, a lot of times I canvass him against my experience. And I don't understand that it's because God is saying it. I keep thinking... You're forcing me, you're pushing me, you're terrorizing me, intimidating me, you're making me. And when you do that and when I do that, then there's a conflict. Because I'm supposed to believe in this loving God, but because he said something, I'm thinking, judgment, judgment, judgment. And it doesn't inspire me to really obey him. Because when I was growing up and my mom would say that, in my head I had a whole lot of words I was arguing with her. You just wait till I get tall enough. You just wait till I leave here. You just wait till I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. You said so now, but I'm going to have my own say one day. You know, all that's going on while I'm doing it. So I'm not necessarily 
doing it with faith or doing it with joy or doing it in the right attitude. I'm just doing it because she's at the edge. And sometimes I mistake God in the same way. And I feel that he's, he's pushing me or stressing me. But I want to, I want to help us this morning and I want to encourage you. And I want to build you up and I want to strengthen you. And I want you to understand and I to understand who God is. So that when he says what he's saying, then we can internalize it more instead of fighting him. There is a particular script that he has written over our life. But so many times we are in direct opposition to that script because we truly don't believe. And it's not that we don't want to believe. We really want to believe. We just don't know how to believe because we don't realize that there's this huge war going on in our minds and our hearts and our minds get disconnected. And what we know and what we feel contradict each other. And when that happens, sometimes it throws our faith off and we operate in hope, but we don't get to operate in faith. Because hope says, if God is just merciful enough, he'll do it for me. Hope says, God, don't you see me crying enough? You should be moved by my tears. You should do it for me. I hope he will just think today of me. But faith knows that he's thinking of you. Faith knows that he's got your best interest at heart. But a lot of times because of our background and what we've experienced, it's hard to know God independent of what we have seen and experienced in the flesh. So I want you to turn to Luke 15, Luke 15. Here's the thing. Long time ago, there was a birthday party in my house. Years and years when Pastor Chen and I were growing up. And we used to have this green glass table. And we would sit around it, you know, every seven months or whatever. But we would, this was where we would eat dinner. And he had a birthday party. It was one of his birthday parties. And it was time for the cake. And everybody was like, happy birthday, dear Che. Yay! Make a wish. And so he made the wish. And he took that stainless steel knife. And he cut the cake and nicked the table. And when he nicked the table, it created a fracture in the, in the table, in the glass table. But the fracture wasn't enough to break it. So we still ate on the table. We still did all this stuff on the table. Everything was fine. But the integrity of the table had been compromised. Now, months later, me, with my awesome self, um, decided that I was going somewhere and I needed to see myself in the mirror. We did not have a full-length mirror at the time, but what we had was a sunken living room where the table was. And across the way, on a wall, some steps higher, was this table about, I mean, this mirror about this big. Well, I figured the distance from the table to the mirror, I could stand far back enough to see myself. So I put on my clothes and I climbed on top of the table so I could see myself. Now, getting on top of the table wasn't bad for me because I was a tomboy and I climbed the trees. I climbed over barbed wire. I mean, I've done a lot of climbing. So I scaled up that table and started. Well, it was fine as long as I stood still. But oh no, like pastor was telling you last night, I was in the store with the luggage. I had to strut in front of the table. <laughs> and so I was, I was good as long as I was doing this. But then I thought, oh, I'm 
I'm pretty full of myself here. I, I, I think this is going to work. So I decided I'm going to walk. And yes, and I started posing. No, I really was like walking up and down the whole table. For a while too. Not even just half a minute. I was taking my time. Enjoying myself modeling on the glass table. As you can see, there were no parents at my house. Because why would I be standing on the table with my dirty feet? Anyway, but I was on the table. And so I was posing. But then I got to the part where the fracture was. And the table imploded. And all the glass went in. And I, was, I fell into the middle of the table. Now, somehow... I did not get hurt. But somehow Pastor Chester got a whooping. He wasn't even there. <laughs> but because he was an older brother, he should have been watching me. So he got in trouble. But, but that's not another story for another time. <laughs> the fact was, I didn't get in trouble. What am I saying here? Sometimes we believe that God is like that table. That the weight of our sins and the weight of our bad attitudes and the weight of our unbelief and the weight of our doubt is enough to fracture his integrity. We think that God cannot handle our frailty. And because we know that we can't handle the frailty of others, that we can change, we think God changes when we do. But God's is always constant. His integrity cannot be fractured. His integrity cannot be shaken. That is who he is. He's always able, always stable, always having the ability to support and undergird. He cannot be shaken. He cannot be surprised. He cannot be intimidated. He is not in awe of your mistake or your frustration or your moment of giving up. That does not change God. It may change you, but it never changes God. And too often we come into this relationship and we go in and out with God, in and out with God. And we don't want to give him the weight of who we are because we think he's going to collapse because we have collapsed. But I want to challenge you this morning. When he says, because I say so, he's saying, it's not your mom talking. It's not your dad talking. It's not your ex or your boss or your teacher who told you we're going to make it talking. This is me talking. And because I am saying it, it makes it totally different than if anyone else was saying it. Luke 15. Are you in Luke 15? All right. Awesome. Check this out. You know this story, but I really, really love what God is saying here. Verse 11. And he said, Jesus was talking. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them went to his father and said, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all his stuff, took the journey into a far country, and wasted his substance with riotous living. Sometimes we can get promotion increase, but we don't have the maturity to handle it, and therefore we squander it. And there are times that we get impatient in the waiting when God is doing something, and we get frustrated, and it's not because God doesn't want us to have it, but our immaturity would make us squander it. Some things it's just not the season, but it's okay. So he goes with his immaturity and wastes his money. Verse 14, and when he had spent all, there came a fight and mighty famine. So here we go. He don't have anything. He's now broke. And then there, here comes a famine. Mm. In that land, and he began to be in want. Verse 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country and sent into the fields to feed the pigs. Verse 16, 
he would have fainted if he didn't fill his belly with the husk that the swines ate. He was in a bad shape, right? So this is where, this is the part in life where people start to leave you. Because you're embarrassing them now. So you don't have the money you had before. <laughs> you don't have the job you had before. You don't have the nice clothes you had before. So it's, everybody can see your transformation. Everybody can see your struggle. Everybody can see that you're believing and it hasn't happened yet. This is where you begin to doubt and this is where you believe people are doubting you. And so he, his mind, remember, the man had two what? Sons. So he comes and he says here, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hard servants of my father have bread enough to spare? And I am perishing here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, I've sinned against heaven and earth and before you. Verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your servants. Lord, you don't have the integrity to handle my mistake. I'm not worthy, really. So, so what you can do is, is just have some mercy and give me a little bit. But I'm not really worthy anymore of the promises. I'm not really fully qualified anymore. Because of all the stuff I've done, whether it's in my attitude or, or I went out there and I, I slept with somebody and I shouldn't have. Or whether I went out there and I cursed up my teacher or when I went out, whatever I did, I'm not worthy anymore. And he rose and he came to his father. But when he saw, when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, father, I have sinned against heaven. Now recall this. He has come. He doesn't feel worthy. The father sees him and greets him as a son. The father's attitude never changed. But because the son had changed in his attitude towards himself, he didn't even see that God was still blessing him. He didn't see that God was still stable. He didn't see God was still doing stuff for him. He couldn't even receive the kiss. He couldn't receive the hug. He couldn't receive the fact that he came and ran towards him. And God is doing things over and over in our lives and we ignore it and we discount it and we don't believe it because we don't think we're worthy. And the son said to him, and if you keep saying this, then yeah, you're going to keep believing it. Father, I've sinned. Because he had rehearsed this, you know. He rehearsed his unworthiness. He had the script down. It's the same scripture he said that he would have promised he would have said to his dad. The same words. You know, when this happens to me, I'm going to say this. You know, this is always going on with my life. You, you, when you rehearse these things and it becomes the script in your life, you are rewriting and overriding the script that God has in your life. God has a script and we have a script. And if our scripts don't write, line up, there's conflict. Faith cannot survive in conflict because it doesn't know which way to go. Whether you believe for something bad or you believe for something good, faith is faith. So if you're going to believe that you're going to be sick and die. See, we think faith is only for the Christian stuff. That faith is only for the good stuff. That if we say we have faith, that automatically good stuff happens. Faith is faith. It has no side. It's a principle. So whenever you believe it, whatever, good or bad, is going to come to pass. So here he goes as he's rehearsing and he says, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on 
his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. Let us eat and be merry. For this, my son. He never changed in his view of who it is. And I am saying to you today, I want to encourage you. God is who he says he really is. He is not your last ex-boyfriend. He is not your baby daddy that don't pay on time. He is not your dad that did not fulfill a promise. He's not your mom that said the wrong thing. He's not your best friend that betrayed you. That is not who he is. God's intention is always coming from a place of love and never judgment. He always comes from a place of salvation and not stoning. He always comes from a place of comfort and not chastising. This is who God is. He does not come from a place of punishment, but rather pardon. His intention is love. How do I know this? In the beginning in Genesis, he creates man. And the Bible says they had a great time together. Walking in the cool of the day. Communion. God likes fellowship. He likes communion. His whole intention is love. So much so that when things went crazy, he sent another man, Jesus Christ, and said, hey, I I need to restore this thing. I love you so much and I'm going to send my son. He never comes from a place of trying to judge you and harm you and hurt you and punish you. That's not who he is. There may be consequences that we have to endure because of our choices, but that is not because of God. That's because of us. And sometimes we have to endure the consequences of choices other people made that we're attached to. But that's not God. That's still somebody else's choice. Don't confuse the two because if you do, you will never be able to walk in the promises of God. The reasoning is simple. First John 4, 8 says this. God is love. In James it says that there's no shadow of turning in him. So God's not shady. There's nothing shady about God. And I love this scripture in Numbers 23, 19. It says this, God is not a man that he should lie. He is not the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it? Will he not do it? Has he not spoken it? Will he not make it good? What are you saying? God can handle your weight. God can handle your, your faith. He can handle what you're believing for. He's got the back broad enough to take on what you're believing for. The reasoning is simple. Because I, God, I the provider, I your protector, I your healer, I your way maker, I your author, I your finisher, I your compassion person, I am your Emmanuel, the person that walks with you. Because I am saying it. I, your, your, your person who is a rear guard. I, the one who leads you in paths of righteousness. I, the one who has scripted a promise over your life that I don't want to hurt you. I'm here to do good for you. And this is who God is. And he's saying, can you trust the I who is saying it? And not negotiate yourself out of it. So the first thing is this. God's got a good track record. He doesn't have a fractured integrity. He's never lost a fight. We don't serve a God who is shaken by circumstances. We have a God. We serve a God who changes circumstances. So the first thing we know is God has integrity. He's the I who is saying it. No, no, exactly what is he saying though? What has he said? I'm so glad you asked. Turn to Isaiah 62. All right, we're almost done here. Isaiah 62, check this out. This is like incredible, Okay. Awesome. It is just fantastic. 
What is he saying? Isaiah 62, verse 2 to 4. And I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. And you will be given a new name. Hmm. Remember, the son wanted to rename himself and put himself as a servant. But he said, I'll give you a new name by the Lord's own mouth. This is what he's declaring. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. A splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride with your bad, unbelieving, doubting self. God will claim you as his bride with your inconsistent, undisciplined self. God will claim you as his bride. He will take delight in you even though every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday you have no idea what you're doing. God will not forsake you. He said, he will call you his delight. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. They will be called the holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord. And Jerusalem will be known as a desirable place and the city no longer forsaken. This is what God is saying to us. This is his said so, the script that he has penned over our life. We are not forsaken. We are not abandoned. We are not orphaned. We are not alone. This is not what we are. Song of Solomon in chapter 2 says, His banner over me is love. He brought me to his banqueting house and his banner over me is love. So what am I saying to you? God's motivation is always love. We must give ourselves permission to enjoy the good God and not the punishing one that we want to, we're more familiar with. That's the one that people tell you, Oh, God going to get you. He going to get you so good. Oh, will you, you do that? Mm-hmm. Just wait and see. Mm-hmm. No, because I do it. That's what I understand. If you don't do that, this is what's going to happen. I remember one time my husband had a, a conversation with me. And, you know, when he has these Holy Spirit conversations, when, you know, I, we don't need to consult the real Holy Spirit. We can just consult Pastor Eben. Yeah. So when he came and he said to me, sweet, you don't realize how much fear you're operating in. And I said, I'm not operating in fear. He said, you don't want heaven to do X, Y, Z, and Z, and Z. So you terrorize her into doing Y, Z, and Z. Okay, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Don't pick up your clothes and see if one day roaches don't come and pick them up for you. <laughs> All right. I told you not to do that. Just see, wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you fall on a burst your head, don't come crying to me. I told you not to go. I said, okay, do it. When you, hit your, when you hit your finger in the door, don't cry to me. That's terrorizing them into obedience. In case you all did not know. We need to stop. I'm still working on it. But I'm saying. He said, you are, you, your motivation is you don't want her to deal with what you dealt with. So in a way, you try to frighten her into doing the right thing. But in doing that, that's not really a great God example. Because God is love. And her image of God can now be like, oh my gosh, I never obey God. If I, if I ever, there's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no chance for redemption. Because I have set up this cycle of in her life. Are you with me? But that's not really the right thing. And it's not really the right way. So we have to give ourselves permission to enjoy the good God. And not this other God that we've kind of designed. Okay. God is saying, because he said so we can trust him. He said in Jeremiah that his plan for us is good to prosper us, to give us an expected end, not of pain, but of hope. You know, he says that 
If he, we are walking through a fire or we're walking through a flood, he's going to be there. In regards to fertility, he said he strengthened Sarah's womb. And that your, all your, trees, your kids will be like olive plants around the table. In terms of prosperity, he said to you, you know, he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. When it comes to comfort, he said, Jesus said, I'll send you a comforter. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. When it comes to peace, he scripted over us and said, he will keep us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him. When we are sick, he says, no, my script over you says this, that I will heal your bread and your water and remove sickness from you because I am the Lord that healeth thee. When it comes to abandonment, he says, I'll bear you up on eagle's wings. When it comes believing for a spouse and it's not here yet, he says, don't worry, wait. I say, wait of the Lord and be of good courage. Trust in the Lord. Lead not to your own understanding and he will direct your paths. He says, trust in me and I'll bring it to pass. When it comes to your needs, he says, because I am a good God, if you ask me for bread, I'm not going to give you stone. That's not who I am. I'm a loving God. I'm always looking to be good to you. This is who I am. So when I say to you that you're strong, when I say to you that you're prosperous, when I say to you that you're mighty in the land, when I say to you your future is bright, when I say to you, you and your house shall be saved. When I say to you, you will eat of the good of the land. When I say to you, your children will be strong. When I say to you that I will find a way and I'll make the places plain for you. When I say to you, I hear your cry. When I say to you that you're so precious to me. Zechariah declares that he that touches you touches me. For you are the apple of my eye. I mean it. Because I am God and I am who I say I am. And because I am who I say I am, I have the ability to do what I say I'm going to do. So if you're out there today and there's any doubt in your heart, I just want to remind you today. Because he said so. He's saying so. Makes the whole thing different. It has no option Isaiah says, did he not speak it? It's his word. It will come to pass. He's, the Bible says he will watch over his word, make sure it comes to pass. So be encouraged today. Be lifted up. Know that God is for you. Who can be against you? Don't be against yourself. You got enough other enemies out there. Don't become an enemy of yourself. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, your desire is for us to free fall into faith, knowing that you are going to catch us, that you're reliable, you're trustworthy. You will do it. If there's people here today and you know, I've just been racked with doubt. I have sometimes a hard time marrying the two, the things that I see happening with the goodness of God. And if that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand real quickly and I'll pray for you. 
I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity because this is the kind of Jesus that we serve, a sacrificial Jesus, a Jesus that loved us so much that he went on the cross. He didn't get distracted. He didn't let anything stop him. That's how much value we held to him that he ran all the way to, to a thing that was so painful. And if you would like to accept Jesus in your heart today and make him your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand real quickly. I'm not here to embarrass you. I want to pray for you. I see your hand in the middle here. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back there. Anyone else? If you need to make Word of Truth Family Church your church home, we want to invite you. We're a Bible-believing church here, and we just want to encourage you along the way. It's not going to always be easy, but you'll always have some word to help you carry through. So if you want to make this church your church home, just raise your hand before I pray, because I know exactly who to pray for. All right, well, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name.